But if you would today, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to talk about David and Michael today. And we want to look at these two as examples of how things could go in our life, in our worship. But even, not, not, not only in our worship, but in every aspect of our life. How many of you have ever been humbled before? Sometimes it's a good experience, sometimes not so good. So as you know, tonight we're having the 4th of July party, pre-celebration, right? So that I can sleep all day on the 4th of July and have no commitments, right? I can just go to sleep, you know? Actually, I think we do have some plans, but it's cool. There's a pool involved, so I'll get over it. Um, so anyway, we said, well, let's, let's, let's do something for the church to come together. We've got, you know, a bouncy house. We've got an obstacle course. We're going to have Kona Ice and... We're going to have, uh, you know, fireworks going off and, you know, and as long as Dexter behaves, nobody should get hurt. So they come yesterday to set up the two inflatables because they said they had 17 inflatables to set up today. I'm like, good grief, these people are rolling in the dough. I'm in the wrong profession. And so they set them up, very good company. Man, I mean, these people are professional, very, you know, serving, great, good customer service. So I'm looking out there at this obstacle course and I'm looking at Cammy, and I'm like... You know, sometimes a kid needs to be showed up by daddy, you know, to, to show them, you know, when you grow up, you'll be able to be like this. You'll be able, you'll be able to be as awesome and as athletic and whatnot as daddy. So me and Cammie, we lined up, and, we, and we, I don't know what's going on lately. I think I'm just getting a 43 is not liked me. My shoulders, my elbows, every joint in my body. When I get up in the morning, it's like I'm crumpled up like tenfold, and I got to get up and get stretched out. You know, beat my head against the wall a couple of times, drink about a whole pot of coffee, black, you know, community coffee. And I notice when I go work out, it takes like 30 minutes to even get warmed up where the pain goes away. You know, like, okay, I can lift this without screaming. So me and Cammie, we go and we, we're sitting up by the garage. And y'all, y'all saw the, some of you seen the, the obstacle course, right? So me and Cammie get backed up and I'm looking at Cammie and I'm like, you ready? Yeah, and you see the anticipation, the excitement, the little braces shining and gleaming like, oh, yeah. You know, just Cammie ain't got no sense. She thinks she's the greatest at everything, right? You know, she hasn't been humbled yet, you know. So, so we're going, we, we start, and I say, on your mark. You know, you, like, you know how you mess with kids. On your mark, get set, get ready, you know, instead of getting to the go. And they're like, come on, Dad, you're wasting time. So I finally, I said, go, and we took off. And, man, we were neck and neck. We looked like two racehorses coming out of the chute. I was going. The problem is, is there was a lot of bending down involved on my side because there's this little hole you go through this hole, two holes, and then those little tubes, and then you come to this ladder, and you go up the ladder, and you come down the slide, but man, I had her until the ladder, and I thought, dude, I'm, I'm still in pretty good shape. I may, I may be a little bit round in the rump, but I can still move <laughs> strong, and I thought, this won't be no problem. I mean, I've done Marine Corps obstacle courses. I've done Jacob's Ladder, not the biblical one, but the Marine Corps version, right? There's no angels at the end. There's just death, but... <laughs> But I thought, man, I'm going to smoke Cammie's drawers. And, dude, I, I get there, and I come to this ladder. So, so, but, but I got to realize that she's just doing this the whole way. She's just running. She's not have to bend down. She's little, you know. She's tiny. And uh, so, I, so I, get, I get to the wall. It's, it's, it's those little obstacle tubes, man. That's where you kind of get slowed down, you know. She's just blaring through it, and I'm, all, I'm like, flipping and rolling. Because this thing doesn't really sustain 200 pounds as well as it does 40. And so I come to the ladder... 
and, and, I, and, I, I, and I went up there. I got three quarters of the way, and all of a sudden, this ladder does not support 205 pounds. The thing, the thing, no, I've been saying 205 for 10 years now. So, so anyway, so my foot, I put my foot on the rung, and I'm grabbing, I feel like T-Rex trying to go up this thing because the, the rungs are so tiny for tiny hands. And I'm trying to grab it like this. And I'm going, Aah! and my feet, my feet went on the rung, but the rungs are inflatable. And it just kind of went, it just disappeared into the wall. So now I'm climbing up a glass slick surface and I'm like, good grief, man. And, uh, and I fell and it hurt, dude. I was just, Christy's like, Chad, where are you? Chad, where are you? I'm like, I come out the side. I gave up. I'm like, I'm done. And, and so Cammie just blew by me, and her, her little hands and feet, she just went bloop, bloop, up that ladder and just down the other side. And I was humbled. I was like, good grief, man. Cammie wasn't. Cammie was like, oh, I smoked you, old man. You ready to go again? I'm like, no, I'm hurting. I'm serious, dude. It hurt when I fell, man. It's like I just slammed to the ground and was like, oh, I did like a T-Rex trying to go up that thing. So eventually I did it again and went up. And her and, Cam, her and Christy went, and same thing happened to Christy. Man, once you get to that ladder, she just, bloop, 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 just down the slide, and Christy's laying there going, my God, we're getting old and bigger. And so the thing is, here I am, I'm, I'm humbled by an eight-year-old. I'm like, good grief. Good grief. So today, you know, but in, and I'd already, I'd already thought about talking about pride today as it pertains to worship, right? I mean, how many of you know that it takes humility to praise God? You know, David says that the offerings that God wants are a broken, contrite heart, a repentant, humble heart, one that is in the correct reality of our relationship. I mean, when you think about it, pride is so anti-gospel. So anti-gospel. Pride is so anti-selflessness. Pride is so anti-me loving you like Christ loved me. Because, I mean, think about how, how, how humble God had to be to come down in human form like he did. He um, the Bible says he humbled himself. He humbled himself and then while we were yet sinners Christ died for us the the very first thing that you have to experience to become born again is the humility and the humbleness to say without you I have nothing without you I am lost without you I am an orphan without you I am an an illegal I'm, I'm an illegal alien to the kingdom of God Without you, God, Jesus, I can't do this without you because I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I don't have what it takes for me to be righteous outside of you. We have to humble ourselves. And so many people, they try to be Christ-like without humbling themselves and it doesn't happen. Jesus was Jesus because of his humility. And, and, and he teaches us that he wants us to be like him, but we have to humble ourselves. And it's so funny to think that when we do get proud, prideful, to think that we think that much of ourselves, to think that we're that good or to think that, that we're smart. And the thing is, is, when we become prideful, it resists so many things in our lives. Say this with me. Pride 
is a, repen- uh, is, uh, is a preventative. Pride is a preventative. It will prevent so many things in your life. It will, it will, it will cease relationships. It will, it will become between you and God. It will come between you and God's worship. It will come between you and the anointing of God and the blessings of God in our life. And you know, I looked up the, the definition of pride. It says, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. It says, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing in conduct. In other words, either think too highly of yourself or you act too highly of yourself when it comes to other people. Like, I'm too good for that. I'm too good for you. I'm better than you. And the reality of it is, when it comes to the light of the Scriptures, <laughs> all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We're, we're, all, we're all nasty. The, Paul, Paul, Paul compares us to some pretty nasty stuff in the Bible of what we're like next to the righteousness and the holiness of God. The second definition is becoming or dignify, a becoming or dignified sense of what is due to one's position or character, self-respect, self-esteem. In other words, I deserve. I deserve this. I deserve this. But what does the Bible say that we deserve? Death, hell, and the grave. That's what is due us. But because of what Jesus has done, in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, we should be so grateful to think, Lord, Thank you for giving me the grace. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you for being merciful to me. And you know, when, we, when, we lose, when we lose that ideology, when we lose that truth, when we lose that fact, we begin to become prideful. We begin to become something that God didn't intend us to be. We begin to lose our heart for other people. We begin to suffer in our relationship with God. And I want to tell you this, your relationship with God has everything to do with your relationship with people. John says that if you say you love God, or you say you love your brother, dead gummit, I just went blank there. Do what? That ain't how it goes anyway. But anyway, but the Bible says that, <laughs> the Bible says if we, if we don't love our brother, but we say we love God, that we're a liar and the truth is not in us. You know? It, it, don't, it don't jive. You can't love God and hate your brother. Be, because... And, and also, you cannot love properly without the love of God in you. God is love. We don't know how to love until we have come to God, until we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But pride is a preventative in so many areas of our lives. Some of you young guys, you know, y'all, y'all are looking for promotion, but you're proud and your bosses don't like you, and they're not going to promote you. Some of you have relationships where, you know, Paul says, make peace where possible, Okay? Now, if it's, if, it's, if it's been attempted on your end, then you're in the good. But if the relationship is stalled because of your pride, then you're the preventative thing in the relationship to which God has called us to peace, to restoration. That should be our end goal. But pride is a preventative. And I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, and I want, you to, I want to just kind of remind you of the backstory. Here we're going to talk about... David and his wife, Michael. But right before this, 
we know that David's whole intent was to bring the ark of God where? Back into Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where God's presence resided. David knew this. In God's presence, there is everything that we need. There is joy. There is victory over our enemies. There is um, uh, meeting of our needs. All the things that we need are found in God when we put him first, when we put him in the middle of our lives. So many of us, we try to get God kind of connected to a few things. We don't really put God central to our life. We try to build God around our lives instead of us building our lives around God. But David knew this, that man, I have been through too many battles and too many experiences that I know this, that I need God with me. God was with him when he slew the the bear, when he slew the 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 lion, you know, when they came after the sheep. And God was putting him in these situations to prepare him and to understand this relationship and how it works. And so that one day when he faced the giant, he knew, hey, God's with me. I can do what I need to do. But he also had a relationship with God to where he wasn't going to watch somebody badmouth God like that. He wasn't going to stand there while somebody insulted the one true God that he knew so well. And so we see David, he, he attempts to bring the ark in. They didn't do it correctly. It falls off a wagon as they're bringing it into Jerusalem, and a guy named Uzzah tries to touch it, and he dies. And so David pouted a little bit, but he had to go back, and he had to go back to the Word. And God had to say, look, you're doing the, you're, 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 you're doing the right thing, but you're going about it the wrong way. And so he went back and he, and, he, and he figured out, okay, we need the, the priest and we need to do it this way to bring it in. You know, the priests are the ones that carry the ark. They can touch it. So they, they went and they got everybody ready and they carried the ark to Jerusalem. And like every six steps, they made a sacrifice. They sacrificed a bull. And, and where the ark was before that, the, the, it was blessings. God's presence was there. The family was being blessed. And David's like, we need to go beyond just getting this family blessed. We want the whole nation to be blessed. And so they bring the ark into Jerusalem. They sacrifice every six steps. The bands are playing, the tambourines, the trumpets, the the stringed instruments. And David is dancing like a fool, the Bible says, in his ephod. In other words, he was kind of in his skivvies. And and the thing is, he he was a king, but he did not dress like a king. He humbled himself and got down and, and, and lowered himself in front of his people to show them that even though I am king, I am nothing compared to the glory of God. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. And so as he's doing this, he's dancing and he's bringing in the presence of God. And Michael, his wife, who he got from Saul, it cost him 200 foreskins of the Philistines. That's a high price for a bride. Saul only asked for 100, but he went and gave him 200. And so there's a, there's a long history between David and Michael, but the thing of it is, is this was the daughter of Saul, the king who was what? Prideful. The king who was what? Disobedient. The king who, when God told him to do something, he would, he would, he would fool himself to believe that I'm doing what God said, but in no way was he doing what God said. People had to come back and do it for him. Remember, the prophet had to come back and kill King Agag, like William talked about Wednesday night. He, had to, he didn't just kill him. He hacked him in a little bitty bit, saying, when you do what God tells you to do, do it right. Do it wholeheartedly. So here you have David, who has a heart for God. He is a worshiper. He is the man after God's 
on heart. His whole desire is to show his people the presence of God and to worship God in the tabernacle of David, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. People are going to be worshiping God. And, and the Bible says that God's spirit resumed in David's tabernacle. That's where he wanted to be in the midst of his people worshiping him. But as David came in, and David is dancing, and David is worshiping, and they're bringing in the ark, Michael's sitting over there looking out the window going, you look like a dang fool. And so we pick up in chapter 6, verse 20. It says, And David returned to bless his household. But, so David's here, he's, he's done what the Lord wanted to do, he's brought in his presence, and now he's going to, he's already blessed the people, now the people are going home to bless their households, he comes home to bless his household. It says, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today. She's being sarcastic. Your, your wife ever gets sarcastic with you? You, you, you stop and say, wait, you're not being serious right now. You're being hateful. I know what you're saying. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You know, you go, you go do some word studies. It says you go out there and look like a common person when you're the king. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord, listen to this, this is David's comeback. Hey, can, can, when, when, when truth is declared, can you really say anything against it? Nope. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. He, he said, uh, the Lord has chosen me over your father. It says, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child till the day of her death. That's pretty harsh. That's a, man, that is an abrupt ending. That is a harsh, like, bam. She rebuked David for worshiping God. He said the truth. I am king now. Your dad had his opportunity. God removed that opportunity. I'm being thankful for God for giving me the opportunity. And she didn't like it, and it said she had no children. She was barren till the day of her death. Barrenness. You know, I, it's something I don't understand. I mean, we, we, we deal with it in our church, you know, the people trying to have children. I mean, we have Emily Walters and Sydney and, and, and several people in here who've gone through periods where they couldn't have a kid and then they'd have a kid. And, you know, and it's like, man, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's the key to this thing? And, I, you know, and this is something I don't understand. I don't understand it. But I believe in this situation that, that there's several things going on here that we need to look at. And we need to look in our lives, because here's the deal. Her, her, her main issue was pride. She told David, I cannot believe you humbled yourself like that. I cannot believe that you acted like that in front of people. And David says, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll act even more foolish than this. We used to sing that song. And I'll become even more 
undignified than this. You know, we used to sing that, and people would shout and dance and, and, and praise and whatnot. And, uh, you know, and, and it was just saying, hey, just like David danced, hey, if we want to have the heart of worship, we need the heart of David, because David was the man who had the heart of worship and built the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And God says in the last days, I want to rebuild it up. You know, I've been thinking about this, this the old joke the other day. You know, we talk about how do we encounter the presence of God. And, you know, in, in that joke where, it's, where a guy, I don't remember it, but he asked the guy, he says, he says uh, are you a- ignorant or apathetic? And the guy goes, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> you know? Are you ignorant or apathetic? I don't know and I don't care. But here's the deal. You should know how to properly worship in this church. You should know. I mean, biblically. Biblically, how to worship. I mean, and, 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 there, and the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Okay, and well, well, God's everywhere. Yep, but there is a manifest presence. God's everywhere. God's around people that don't know he's there. They're just like Jacob, you know, at the Jacob's ladder. He says, God was here and I didn't even know it. You know, there's a lot of Christians like God's here and we don't even know it. I want to know that God is here. I want to see him. I want to see his glory. I want, I want him to manifest me. Why? Because I'm a ding-dong. I am, I am, I am a, a, a person who is affected by the flesh. I am a person who needs to change. I am a person with issues like everybody, and I want God to show me his glory and to speak to me clearly where I'm not sitting around going, what does God really say? I want his spirit to say, Chad, this is what I want you to do. This is what I need you to do. This is what I want to change in your life. This is how you really are so that I can say, yes, Lord, and do something about it. We need to experience God, not have this far-off relationship with Him. You know, Psalms 138.6 says, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. And so many people in churches today, they know God from afar because they don't want to humble themselves to come into His presence and to do what the Word says, to encounter Him in a way that's going to produce what He wants to produce in our lives. But pride is a preventative. So I, there's three things that the Lord showed me in this story about Michael that we need to address in our own lives unless we want to be barren like Michael. And I'm not talking about having real babies. I'm talking about being barren spiritually. Barren. You know, God wants us to be fruitful, right, as Christians. He wants us to produce fruits of the Spirit. He wants us to produce things... But the Bible talks about us being grafted in with Jesus. It has everything to do with us being connected with him. It's not something that's going to dynamically happen outside of the work of the Trinity in our lives. But the first thing is this. Pride prevents presence producing praise. Well, these are good ones. Pride prevents presence producing praise. If praise produces the Spirit of the Lord, if it produces His presence, okay? God inhabits the praises of His people, all right? But if pride allows us not to praise because we don't want to lift our hands, if we don't want to sing, if we don't want to shout, if we don't want to do what the Bible calls acceptable sacrifices unto the Lord, if we don't want to do those things, then we're going to be prevented from truly encountering the presence of God. It's not going to happen. You can mooch off others sometimes to an extent. You know? 
Hey, you get in a house, people that's worshiping, you'll, you'll know that the presence of God there, but here's the deal. How's it going to affect you when you leave? How's it going to change you when you leave? I, I hear testimonies all the time. Man, it, it was, man, people loved the Lord. The, the presence was there. But, but, but the question is, is how did it affect you? Man, a while ago, I just the Lord put on my heart on that last song just, just to, to bow before him. And I got on my knees, and I just lifted my hands, and I began to sing. And, man, he shocked the fire out of me. You know, and, and, and that's, I think some people are like, what are they experiencing? What's going on? Well, if you want to find out, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. I am one of the most ungimmicky, flashy dudes in the world. But I tell you this, when you come into the encounter of God, when you, when you experience his presence... It, it does become addictive. You, you won't settle for less, you know? Christy makes great pot pies. The other day, she, she was in a hurry. She didn't have time. She made some microwave pot pies. She knows I love pot pies, but they don't compare to hers. But I ate them gladly, but I'm like, you know what? It ain't nothing like Christy's homemade pot pie. And when you experience the presence of God to come to church year after year or day after day after that and not experience the presence of God, it's like the most God-awful thing that's ever happened. And I remember, I remember as a young man, man, I, dude, I've, we've been from cessationist where the Holy Spirit don't live around here to charismaniac. I've been to everything in between, but I've seen the presence of God move enough to know that it's real and it ain't fake. And you know what? I had to come up to my, to my decision one day. I can, let, I can let the crazy people and the non-crazy people affect my worship or I can just worship. I remember the first time I ever lift my hands up to the Lord and just like, wow, wow. I love it when people come in here and they say, you know, I, man, I just couldn't handle it no more. I just lifted my hands up to the Lord and like, it's like something began to happen, you know. And it's, it's nothing magical. It's nothing superstitious. It's real simple. You praise the Lord, you'll experience His presence, He says. And that's what God wants. He wants us to praise Him. He wants to rebuild the tabernacle of praise. He wants to rebuild the tabernacle of David. But if we're too proud to give Him what He asks of us, then... Praise ain't going to be happening. Praise is not going to exist. And if the praise don't exist, then the presence, there's nowhere for the presence to go, to inhabit. God's presence is looking to manifest himself. And the way he manifests himself is, is through the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's when, that's when things get to happen. And that's when stuff can start to move. That's when stuff can be adjusted. That's when, when you know, it won't be just a nice little word of encouragement that you read in a, in a nice book by a poet. It'll be like, this is what the word of the Lord says. And it can be life-changing. It can be life-altering. It can be direction-giving. But then when that happens, but here's the deal. We're not just accountable for our own worship. We're accountable for all of ourselves. You know, on the days where, where Callie don't feel like worshiping, you know, but she's still worshiping, you know, I'm, maybe it's my day that day to really press in for her to help her experience God. But it's, it's a togetherness thing. You hear me? We're, we're to come in here to encounter God, not just individually, but together. God doesn't have a word. I mean, it'd be awesome if every time I came to church, God gave me a specific word to say, Chad, I want you to do this this week. Man, you know how easy that would be? Wouldn't take much faith either. It'd be push-play. But God loves to play peekaboo. He loves to play hide-and-seek. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me. But Michael was barren of praise. She was barren of praise. She had no praise to God because of her pride. And she probably got it naturally from her father 
who was too prideful. You know, because you know that's the deal. But let me tell you something. It's up to us to to step out and break the, the the curses of the generations before us, so that we can set the pace for the generations after us. But pride prevents presence producing praise. If you're too proud, you're not going to praise. If you're too proud, you're not going to lift your hands. You're not going to you're not going to sing. You're not going to shout. You're not going to you know kneel on kneel or whatever the, the Holy Spirit's speaking into your heart. The second thing is this. Pride prevents presence producing people. Who in the heck are we supposed to represent? Who are we supposed to look like? Who are we supposed to act like? What are people supposed to see in us? Jesus. And when we think we're better than Jesus, we think they need to see us. They don't need to see Jesus. And God's saying, no, I want them to see Jesus because what they have to see in you isn't much. What they have to see in you is going to lead them astray. What they have to see in you is going to do more damage than anything. But they need to see Jesus in you. You see, Michael was bearing in the fruit of the Spirit. David and all the people and all the servants, they were shouting with joy. They were clamoring. They were celebrating. They were being blessed. They were having communion. They were, they were worshiping and encountering. And you know what it produced? It produced joy. It produced peace. It produced happiness in their lives. It produced what? The fruit of the Spirit. Was Michael getting any of that? No. Michael was sitting there watching David. She was mad. She was bitter. She was hateful. She was angry. She wasn't getting any joy. She wasn't getting any happiness. And it's amazing sometimes how when we're the only one wrong, we can't see it because everybody else is right around us. And so Michael would just sit there and stooped in her anger and stooped in her bitterness and, she, and not realizing, you know what? If I would just humble myself and worship like my husband. If I would humble myself and worship like the rest of these people, maybe God could break these things in my life. Maybe I could be joyful. Maybe I could be happy. Maybe I could receive peace. You know, the Bible says, in his presence there is joy beyond measure. Amen? I've had some pretty cruddy days where I come in here and encounter the presence of God to where I even forgot about the depths of the sorrow I had before I walked in this place. And, and here's the deal. I know that that is the only comfort that I can find when things look blurry, when things look dim, when things are scary. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God can give you joy. God can heal your heart. God can get, He wants you to be fruitful, but when we're prideful, we prevent that from happening in our lives. We prevent God from, uh, because if we're too prideful to think that we're good as, enough as we are, then we don't see a need for us to become changed. We don't see a need for us to be delivered. We don't see a need for God to do anything in our lives. And God says, okay, let me know when you want me to help you out with that. Because when you want help for that, you'll be seeking God. When you want deliverance, you'll be looking to God. When you want joy, you'll be looking to God. And the third thing is this, pride prevents presence producing purpose. It prevents presence producing purpose. So first off, it'll, it'll, it'll prevent us from praising and encountering His presence. Secondly, it, it, it prevents us from being the people of the fruit of the Spirit that happens when we encounter God. But lastly, it, it, it prevents us from producing purpose from being connected to the big plan, from being connected to the kingdom, from being 
not able to be a part of what God wants to do through His church. You know, so many times people, they, you know, they, they even, maybe you get a prophetic word or some direction in your life, but here's the deal. It's up to you to walk that out in faith. We've had some super prophetic guys in this church say, hey, you're called to do this, do this, don't leave here, stay here, whatnot. And I've got stacks of papers of people who decided I'm going to do something else. And they decided not to walk in what God had for them. And the thing is, is it disconnected them from the purpose that God had in their lives. You see, Michael was barren of children. But what did that mean? That means that her children would not be a part of God's plan for the entire kingdom of Israel. She would not have children that could one day grow up and serve the Lord and be leadership in the kingdom that God wanted to build. But here's the deal. Why? God had to end the lineage of Saul. He had to end it. Because, the, because Saul was prideful. Saul was destructive to the purposes of God. And he says, if we let Saul keep going on, then this is not going to go where I want to go. God says, I need David because David will do what? All of my will. Now, David fell, right? David did more than just, I mean, there were several instances where he got in trouble and God would rebuke him and discipline him for it. But David would repent and turn to God. He knew what to do when things got, he, didn't, he never said, okay, God, well, I'm going to do it my way anyway. But the thing is, is how is your life going to fulfill the purposes of God if you're too prideful to walk with him, to interact with him, for him to create in you the heart so that you could do the purposes that he wants you to fulfill? But Michael lost that opportunity. You know what, what if Michael would have repented and said, God, I don't want to be prideful. I want to be a woman that loves you, that serves you, that is humble to you, just like my husband. And I want to have babies with this man that will grow up in the admonition of the Lord, that will be worshipers, and you won't have to worry about them taking the kingdom somewhere where they don't belong. What if? What if? You know, what if we as a people would say, you know what? You know, it's, it's a faith deal. The Bible says this is how you worship. When you worship, God's presence enters in. It comes down. Things begin to happen. Hearts begin to change. The Holy Spirit gets unlocked. The fruit of the Spirit is developed. The purposes of God begin to happen. People begin to come change. You see what I'm saying? What if we were just like, okay, God, we're, we're, we're going to believe what your word says and do it. And we're, going to, and we're going to expect the results that you say would happen. Amen? What if we did that? What if we did that? What if we did that in every aspect of our life? You know, we have a very benevolent church because y'all have figured out that when I give to God, hey, it ain't a, I'm not going to get a million dollar check and a Cadillac, but God takes care of me. Through life, each and every day, I get my daily bread. I thank him for my daily bread. And I can expect I'll have daily bread tomorrow because I did what he said to do yesterday with my resources. Amen? But what if we started to, to, to apply that same principle in every aspect of our life? You know? What if we valued the presence of God more than money? What if we valued what God had to offer more than than this worldly stuff that we collect and gather? 
What if we understand that, you know what, it's good to have money to give to your kids, but the most important thing that you can give to your kids is the how to walk with God and how to experience His presence and how to go to God every time anything, if there's a need, how to go to God and say, God, help me in this situation. Because you're so short of giving your kid everything they need. The the thing they need the most is God. How to walk with Him. How to experience Him. How to hear His voice. Because you know what? We as parents one day, we're going to die. And we're going to be gone. And your kids are going to need to know, how do I hear God? How did mom and daddy hear God? What did mom and daddy do in these situations? James chapter 4 Verse 5 says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? How many of you know that God is a jealous God? He yearns for the Spirit that he has put in us. He says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you want God to draw near to you, what do you need to do? Draw near to him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hey, make up your mind. Make up your frazzling mind. Make up your mind. Are you going to believe in the Word or are you going to believe in yourself? Are you going to believe in the Word or are you going to believe in the world? Are you going to believe in the Word or are you going to believe in Oprah, Dr. Phil, and Fuzzy Face? What are you going to believe in? But here's the deal, until you take time to read what it says, then you have no clue of what you should be believing in if you don't read what it says. It says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and what? He will exalt you. He will exalt you. He will exalt you. And, and I believe this, you know, there's, so, there's some of us today, we're like, man, I want to... Enter into the presence of God, but I just, I, don't, I ain't going to do this. Stuff. You know what? You either believe what the Word says or not. You know the dark ages? The dark ages? You know what? It affected the church too. The Holy Spirit wasn't moving. Nothing was happening. Only a few people could read and only a few people, you know, and they took advantage of people that couldn't read and they made them think that this is what the Bible said when it didn't really didn't say. But the problem was it was the dark ages because the presence of God was very distant because people didn't know how to worship God. And, and worship got destroyed. Worship became a thing of, of piousness and, and reverence. And, and we, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> David says, I will become more irreverent than this. I'll act like a dang fool. Where does that line up with a lot of people's idea that worshiping God is something where you just come and be still before the Lord? That's not what he's asking us for. You know, worship is love expressed. And we we as men know this. When we go out with our wives, we tell them we love them all the time, but that ain't good enough. They want to know through our affections and through our time and through our attention to them. I mean, y'all know. How many times have we all had to go to our, our, our wives and say, you know I love you, right? Well, you don't act like it. And here's the deal. How do, we, how do we act before God? Do we show God our love? Do we give God our affection? 
I'm not asking you to go buy, please don't go buy a tambourine, especially if you don't know how to buy it. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm just asking when you come into the pre, when you come into the worship, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. Paul says that he, he desired to see men lifting holy hands and praising God. That's what Paul wanted to see. You see, so even in the New Testament, even Paul said he wants to see men lifting holy hands before the Lord. You see, this isn't just Old Testament stuff. This is the rebuilding of the tabernacle. God wants us to express our hearts to Him. But the thing is, is if you have a prideful heart, you are expressing your heart to Him by saying, I ain't doing nothing. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to stand here staunch. And hope to God, luckily, God will do something one day. And God's like, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You know, it's like training, you know, having kids, training dogs. When do you give them the reward? Before they do the right thing or after? You know, it's like dad, dad, got, a, dad got a lab puppy. And, I'm, I'm, and I, that just bum fuzzles me. I'm like, dad, why do you want to? You hate disobedient dogs. Why do you want to do this? Dad actually whipped the dog the other day. He felt so bad about it, he crawled in the pen and, and loved on it and cried for about an hour. I'm like, he only gave me like 10 minutes of tears after he whipped me. I'm jealous. No, I'm, you know, we joke about Dad. Dad was a disciplinarian, but he ne- I, never knew what, I, didn't ne- I never knew what the heck I was getting in trouble for, and he always loved on me afterwards. The deal is he had to make a point. You know, the Word's trying to make a point. If you want to experience God, you know, I see people all the time, you know, pray for me that I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray for me that I'll experience God. And the deal is, is are you seeking it yourself? I can't worship for you. I can't be filled with the Spirit for you. That's something you got to say, hey, I'm willing to humble myself. And the thing of it is, do you believe what the Word says? Do you believe that you can encounter God if you worship Him? You know, sometimes we just don't want to encounter God because we don't want to hear what he has to say because we're too proudful to deal with what's going on in our hearts. But you know what? I'm gonna t- I, I, I will tell you this. Do you know that you can be disciplined in worship? You know the Holy Spirit can deal with you in worship? And it is the sweetest confrontation I've ever had. In the middle of worship, I've had God come in and say, Hey, I love you, but this ain't legit. And I say, yes, Lord. Thank you for loving me to bring it to my attention. But I'm going to tell you this. When you, when, you, when you experience the presence of God, and you know what? It's, it's, God, God's not, God's like, God is not like one flavor of ice cream. He is dynamic. He's always doing new things, you know, in worship. But when it, like, like a while ago, I mean, it's just, it, was, it was that last song, man. God just began to speak to me, but it's so... It is emotional in the sense of that you, it's like you get, you understand how grateful you're to be. You understand how good God is. You understand how unworthy you are. It's like you get all these emotions at the same time and, and just the tears just begin to flow thinking, oh my God, you do love me. As jacked up as I was, as jacked up as I still am, you do love me and you do have a heart for me and you've done all these things for me. And God, all I can do is just say thank you because I ain't worth none of these things that you've done to me. But you know what? He sees you as worthy and God wants to, God wants to experience you as just much as he wants you to experience him. That's why it's a relationship. 
Everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. And let me ask you this. Remember this. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, every Sunday we come in here and God's wanting us to be humble and to be honest and to be real. But how many of you today, you know, while I'm talking about pride, you're thinking, man, hey, I was the most shyest kid in the world when I was a kid. And now I can't even imagine just not worshiping God when I come into church. And hey, I've had times where in the past where even after I became a person that would express myself in worship, maybe somebody would show up from my past. You know, like an old Marine buddy or something like that. And I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird. But you know what? I've realized this. It just don't matter. You either want to be like David or you don't. You either want God's presence or you don't. But there is no telling what would happen. I mean, imagine if everyone come in here and humbled themselves and worshipped wholeheartedly at what the Holy Spirit would be free to do. You know, the Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants, but He's not going to make us do anything because that's not genuine and it's not legit and it's not real and God's not about that. God wants us to be genuine people in a loving relationship. But I want you to, to ask yourself this today. Are you prideful? Do you struggle with pride in worship? Do you struggle with pride in people? Do you, are you struggling with pride in, in to a point where it's going to... And here's the deal. If it's any point at all, it'll affect everything. But how many of you today, while no one's looking today, said, I'm, I'm struggling with pride? Just lift your hands. Amen? Amen. You can put your hands down. You know what? Believe it or not, that was humble to do that, to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. But you know what? I, want, I believe this. I believe God wants to free you from this today. And I believe God wants you to become humble in a way that's going to be so fruitful in your life. He wants you to be fruitful in your worship, in your relationships, and in your purpose in life. So what I'm going to do is we're just going to have a short ministry time. We're not going to take long. We're not going to tarry. But you know what? The first initial thing is this. is I remember the first time I had to humble myself before the Lord is when I realized that I was lost. <laughs> and I had to say, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you need to do that today. So whatever it is, maybe you need prayer, whatever's going on in your life, I'm asking you this day, humble yourself and respond to the altar call that God, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. So as the ministry team comes up, and everyone stands, and Sharissa leads us in a short song. I want you to, to respond today what the Holy Spirit's saying to do. If you want to be saved, come grab one of these people by the hands. If you just want to pray to yourself, that's fine. But y'all come today as we worship.